Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Key Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Lincoln, Kia, Hyundai. Great new inventory. Fabulous pre owned inventory. Indeed, and uh, great sales staff, great deals, and uh, the service department to back it all up. Wow. Uh, one quick note. I asked um, Matt to send me a list of all the people that should be fired from the Eagles, and I received a 12-page PDF. All right, uh, time now for our play-by-play call of the day, the trifecta for the Heisman Trophy winner. Play action. Jones steps up right down the middle of the field. It's touchdown. Devontae Smith cannot be stopped. A truly special performance by the Heisman Trophy winner. Three touchdowns in the first half. Chris Fowler with the call on ESPN. Alabama, great. We'll get to that in the last half hour. And with that, we will now bring in Neil Kulong to solve all the Steelers' problems. Neil, solve. Oh, the postmortem. This is always fun. I, I was I was thinking about this earlier. I think this is the... What seventh of these I've done with you fine gentlemen over the years. And I think this one might be the most perplexing and frustrating of them all because I, I, I'm not sure what happened. I, I didn't totally expect uh, this team at 11 and 0 to, to really be a contender. You know, I, I wasn't sure if they were a, a Super Bowl caliber team or not. Um, I did not expect what happened over the next six games, and I'm not sure anybody really did. It, it was, it, it, it's beyond words. Whatever it is that happened on Sunday night, and that that's not something uh, I, I think anybody is going to forget for a long time. I mean, it, it, it harkens back to what was that 2000 when Dan Marino got torched by the Jaguars, 62 to seven or whatever it was in the playoff. That's what it felt like. It was something that was beyond embarrassing. It was the level of Art Rooney is going to issue a statement to to the fans after this game. It's so bad. Um, and unfortunately, by far and away, the worst game they've played in probably half a decade, if not longer, uh, comes at the time they absolutely needed to win a playoff game to salvage something uh, from what used to be an optimistic season. It, it was a, a complete and total train wreck, obviously, from the first snap. That's a cliche that gets thrown out quite often, but it was literal in this case, um, and it went downhill from there. I mean, it, it, a complete and total mess um, in three phases of the game, and nothing really you know, redeeming came out of it, uh, either for the present or for the future. Um, they're in trouble. I mean, for trouble in the sense that if they want to compete in the near future, uh, they're, they're a ways up from that right now, and we 
saw plenty of evidence of that over the last six games, highlighted by the worst playoff performance they've ever had. I feel like you, uh, we've watched draft position catch up with this team finally. I mean, it took a, it's taken a long time to do it, but it's caught up with them. They also have another problem. The number is 18, and the 18 is the number of free agents that they have. Uh, they, they Obviously, they're not going to keep everybody, nor financially probably can they. No, and for, for somebody like myself who's been saying for years that the salary cap is largely a, a, a phantom, um, the one thing we didn't factor was a global pandemic mm-hmm. dropping the salary cap considerably. And right. the Steelers are, are caught in the unique position that they clearly went all in for probably last year and this year. They really wanted uh, to create a, a, a championship-caliber team to maximize what they had with Ben Roethlisberger while they still had it. Um, combination of Roethlisberger's injury last year and a pandemic that's going to slash the salary cap considerably when it should have gone literally in the opposite direction um, up to a point where they could still maintain a, a lot of the guys who would be leaving. Uh, they'd, they'd be able to keep them otherwise. Uh, the combination of those things cut that window in half, and then they themselves jumped through it and 12 stories down to the bottom. That's really where they are, because you're exactly right. They, they can't keep – let's assume that T.J. Watt is is the primary focus of the offseason, which it absolutely should be. Right. That's about it. <laughs> That's your offseason. There's not really much else they can do, and I understand the, the imaginations that can go around – um, Roethlisberger's contract, his situation, what you want to do. There is not an option that saves them a, a good chunk of money that they're not putting on to the cap in, in the form of dead money. There really isn't anything that they can do short of, like, at minimum, a three-year extension for Roethlisberger, which isn't going to help much. There, there's some wiggle room, but really not much. And beyond that, they don't have years left on veterans' contracts to uh, create cap space through – uh, restructures. Cam Hayward is probably the only one they can do that with um, in a responsible way. Maybe a couple of the others, but gone are the days where they had a core group of guys who were signed for the next three, four seasons um, that they could kind of redo and, and say, look, you know, pat on the head, good for you in March. We'll give you a nice big bonus, sign this piece of paper. They get cap room to address other needs. They don't have those options anymore, which is what makes me think that the plan here really was, let's maximize the window. It's going to come up to this point. Uh, come 2022, probably, we need to have two-thirds of this roster turned over. So let's double down our draft efforts here, which I feel that they've done, to their credit. I think they've done a good job with that. Uh, they need bodies now, and I don't think they're going to get them. Um, keeping Ben uh, at a, a salary cap charge of $41.25 million or whatever it is is pretty tough to do, to put it mildly. Uh, releasing Ben or seeing Ben retire – Reduces that a bit, but there's still 23 million in dead space, and um, you save 19, and you're either starting Mason Rudolph or you're going to sign a veteran uh, for nothing if you want to sign Watt and have some flexibility to do anything else with your roster. I don't think that really makes the team any better. I think it, it might climb it back to the surface of where it was, and we saw how it ended. So there, there are not really any ways they can make this team considerably better beyond internal improvement, which I think there, there is something to be said about that, but you don't have a tackle signed at this point. Not that their tackles were outstanding or anything, but Zach Banner kind of hinted that, in a way, at least on social media, that he might not be back. Um, they don't have many options uh, beyond a draft in which they might have to find three starters uh, regardless of ability and regardless of position in the draft. They, they need to get guys that can play 
immediately. And that you know, when you tighten your draft window like that, uh, it, it doesn't necessarily lead to the best decisions that you could make in now or the future. So um, I don't know. I mean, to, to their credit, they, they went for it. You know, I, I thought the moves that they made were reasonable. But I, I think the salary cap uh, being reduced drastically uh, for this upcoming season hit them probably harder than any other team in the NFL. Yeah, it's true. Uh, look, the Browns, just based on draft position, were going to at some point pass the Steelers. It's just the way it works. I mean, that I just I just explained the National Football League, uh, and it turned out that they finally passed them. I think realistically seven weeks ago, uh, but it's. But when I look at Roethlisberger, we know what his number is. Is there any way he can renegotiate his contract in such a way where he stays and gives them space because he renegotiated it? Uh, without multiple years being added on to his contract currently, there's not anything that they can do. This isn't a question of his salary. This is a question right. of it's his cap bonus money that he's been paid already. Right. That's where the bulk of it is. And they've gotten into this issue with Roethlisberger before. His contract essentially becomes upside down in a way. Uh, he has more bonus money that they have to account for in the past than right. he has salary. Right. Uh, in the past, the best way around that was to, you know, you're, you're going to, you know, take it uh, for for a year, having you know have kind of a, a, a pretty significant cap charge, and then it can lower um, in the years beyond that. But short of giving him an extension, which I, I don't know, I guess it, it could happen. But a, a three year deal for, right. for Roethlisberger, like you know what? I if I'm helping you out, great. You're going to need to make this worth my while. You know why? Why am I signing a three year contract for no money? Why would I do that? Right. Exactly. Um, it, it, I don't think there's any incentive. Uh, to get Roethlisberger to do that, that would help the team minus you know two three million dollars. It, it wouldn't be worth the move to, to either side. I don't think um, you're talking deck chairs on the Titanic at that yeah. point. It, it's not really worth uh, what they'd have to go through to get it. So um, yes, I mean where there's a will, there's a way. But I, you're you're asking Ben to do something pretty extraordinary. Um, Nobody of, of rational thought is just going to sign something for the sake of everybody else and not, you know, think at all about what it's going to do to him. Um, he's under contract uh, at that point. You know, if he wanted yeah. to play, I'd imagine he'd want more money. So, I, I, I don't see a way that they're able to do it. Plain and simple. I, that is to say whether he will or will not be back. Uh, whatever it is, though, it's going to be the terms of what we know of his contract today. They have not been in a position realistically to draft a quarterback for a while. I mean, I mean, realistically, it doesn't mean you can't get Russell Wilson in the third round. doesn't mean you can't get Lamar Jackson at 32. I mean, but yeah, you know what I mean. Realistically, where you have one of the top 12 picks somewhere there. They just haven't been in that spot. But what do they need to do about the draft when it comes to the quarterback spot? Do they hang in another year and then end up being one of those top 16 teams or whatever? I mean, how do they do this? I think it, it, that's a real interesting question because you look around uh, the, the playoff field. You've got Lamar Jackson, who, as you said, was taken 32nd overall. That was a team that had uh, – they identified a need at the quarterback position in another year probably at most. Right. Um, the Ravens traded down initially to 24 or whatever it was where they drafted Hayden Hurst. Um, and then from there they traded back to 32 in order to take Jackson. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, I believe, um, and, and uh, T. Frank can can clarify this. I believe was that was the Bills' pick. I think the Bills, the Bills traded. Pick. It was the Bills. Yeah, pick. they they traded down. Kansas City traded up a lot 
in order to, to get Mahomes, and obviously that move worked out pretty well. Um, there are alternative ways to, to pull in a quarterback, uh, but what you need is draft capital. Uh, you, you certainly have the motivation to do so if you're Pittsburgh, uh, but the position they're in right now, they need every pick that they can get. They, they traded one for uh, Minka Fitzpatrick, which is great. That worked out well. Yeah. Um, they lost a, a net loss of a pick when they, they traded up to, to take Devin Bush. Yep. All of these are, you know, this is kind of when those bills are due. And these are moves that are good, but in the end, yeah. you're losing draft picks. If you don't pull in those picks, you don't have guys to replace players that you need to replace. Um, it, that it, it opens up a, a pretty wide portal of tough decisions that you have to make. And short of counting on undrafted free agency to find starters, which I don't think is a real good idea, uh, you, you don't really have the capital to trade up to get that quarterback when you're at 24. You're going to have to pay out quite a bit, and then it's probably going to be for a guy like NDSU's Trey Lance, who I don't necessarily think is probably a day-one starter. Um, he might be a year-project type of guy, a great prospect, and somebody who's going to go uh, probably no later than 10, 11, 12, somewhere in there. But to get up from 24 to do that, uh, that's going to cost you a lot. And you you better have a solid team around you like Kansas City did um, in, in an effort to get Mahomes in order to to, uh, to justify that move if you are the general manager. Kevin Colbert, you know, the, the, the brilliance that he's had over his career, I don't think that – that's a pick he could survive from if, if it doesn't work out. He's not going to make that just for the sake of doing it. But I, I don't know. I think everything's on the table for him this year. Well, this is what you have right now. First overall pick in the draft, Rams. Rodgers, look, he ended up 25, but you, you, you and I both know everybody knew he was a top 10 going into that thing. It is weird happened, okay? okay Baltimore first-round pick, 32, Lamar. Okay, uh, Josh Allen was seventh overall, I believe. Okay. You've got Baker Mayfield first overall. Uh, what Mahomes is what ten overall in the draft, and then the other one's two legends from a bygone era. <laughs> who made them? Who made themselves into legends? Yep, and they're they're still making it work uh, because of the ability that they showed that was beyond their draft stock. You know, yeah. and, and call Breeze who was technically the first pick of the second round. He was 32nd overall, That's though. That's right. Uh, it's, still, it's still a premium spot, you know, and, and right. he had to go find it with another team. But it, it, to hit on the quarterback is to save your franchise. It's obviously the most important position on the field, and it's probably the most important position in sports. Um, you, you have to be really bad, or you have to be willing to trade a lot, which I might argue is kind of the same thing as saying that you're really bad, in order to get the guy that you want, and then you got to be right. So um, we can say up and down, and I know that Colbert has kind of leaned on this over the years, if they had Mason Rudolph evaluated as a first-round pick, they weren't interested in taking him in the second round. So right. uh, he might have fallen into their lap in, in you know, kind of um, serendipitous fashion, which is great. I don't know if we've seen that from him to a point where you're excited about the Mason Rudolph era starting next year. But that might be their only option. It very well could be that Rudolph in the last year of his deal is the cheap option that they need right. to get past uh, Ben's contract in this season. And then, I don't know, it, it, they have no roster in 2022 right. right now. Very few players signed. Uh, it'll be completely overhauled by them. They don't have a choice. Well, and they're not able to spend this year. So it's going to be a bunch of new players in 2022. That might have to be a quarterback. I, I Honestly, I think that it will be. It might come from this draft. It might come from the next draft. But yeah. I'm not sure we know who that is yet. Uh, I will say this for Rudolph. Um, 
it wasn't an awesome and incredible performance. But when he played against Cleveland, he played well. It wasn't like he played poorly. He didn't play poorly in that game. He did play well. It was only one game, but he, I thought he was fine. I think that the issue with, with Rudolph overall, um, he, he has stone feet. He can't move in the pocket to save his life. I mean, it's right. like watching Rocky Balboa throw punches. He's just he, he has no fluidity to him at all. South He's just Paul. not a natural athlete. Um, and yeah. on top of that, he doesn't have a great arm. So it, yeah. it's kind of hard to say you can really open up an offense with, with the skills that he has as a player. He's not a great athlete, and he's not throwing you know darts 35 yards down the field like it's nothing. Uh, putting those two things together kind of screams backup quarterback, and I think that's the type of performance that we yeah. saw. You're right. It's not bad. Um, you, right. you weren't embarrassed to watch him play. But to say that he's your starter next season, to me, is more – we really don't have any other options, so we're going to go with this and find out what happens. Um, maybe he can bring them to eight and eight, nine and seven. I don't know. Um, there are a lot of things that are going to be gone uh, next season, though, that I think are going to impact that just as much as uh, perhaps even a step down at the quarterback position. Uh, they've, they've got a lot of needs that they're going to need to address, and they're not going to be able to address them right now. Um, Rudolph might not even be their primary issue next season, as weird as that is to say, um, and certainly not something I would have said at this time last year. But, yeah, yeah, yeah I think you're right. He availed himself pretty well from what we saw before. Um, yeah. I mean, I just if the yeah, it, it, I wonder if the concussion that he took in week five last season didn't impact him uh, in the weeks that followed. Mm-hmm. I, I wondered about that. We saw some good things, but in the end, I, I don't think he has a, a great feel for pressure and can't really uh, move and buy himself time. That is, a, He's a statue in the pocket uh, without the, the cannon arm to make plays down the field. He's pretty one-dimensional. He's going to have to be kind of a one-read guy, get rid of the ball. Um, and we saw how well that worked out this season for, for an accurate passer uh, who was completing 68% of his throws. It, it, can, it will eventually wear down. Uh, a defense can stop that fairly easily if you aren't able to do anything else. But you know what? you got an entire offseason. Who knows what's going to happen? Um, I, I don't know if they're going to make any coaching staff changes. That might benefit something. Um, they might try something completely different, or who knows? They, they might – dig into the couch cushions, um, call in some favors, find a way to, to get the cap increased to, to borrow on future caps or something like that, uh, and be able to sign a veteran that, that they believe in to come in and play. All those things are, are still definitely on the table. Well, we always have options, and we always choose you. <laughs> That's good. I'm, I'm glad that you do. I'm looking forward to uh, to some draft conversation here. we got to get into that full steam here because this, this yeah. definitely could be one of the most important drafts they've had in a long time. And some playoff discussion too. Thanks so much, Neil. Always appreciate it. Definitely. Thanks for having me, guys. Neil Kulong. It's just good to have a rational pro football conversation. <laughs> <laughs> when you go home at night, do you talk to Lisa about this? Sometimes I do, but it's hard because I have to start over because then she says, start over again? <laughs> a lot of things go through one ear and out the other with her as the more we've, the more time and we've been together. Huh? What was that? <laughs> exactly. Could you start over? <laughs> Lisa will talk. Back with more in a moment. <laughs>
Great to have you with us today on News Radio 1070 WKOK, brought to you by Sunbury Motors. 2020 was not what anyone expected. Nor did Sunbury Motors Kia think they would have their best new Kia sales in the last 22 years. SMC success is because of PPP. No, not alone. But people, product, and price. We have the same great people. Now listen to the product and price for 2021. Choose from 11 2021 Kia Fortes starting at 18665 Saving you 2640 The Kia Sportage all-wheel drive is discounted up to 3775 Sportage is start at 23490 With 22 in stock. You have to see the all-new redesigned 2021 Kia Serrano. Now with available second-row captive chair. Buy this midsize all-wheel drive SUV for $31,990. 2021 will be even better because of PPP. People, product, and price. Sunbury Motors Kia on the Golden Strip. Routes 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf. We'll talk about last night's game. Only as a diversion to get Matt to concentrate on something else. Also, the suit expects Pouncey to snap it perfectly on every play. I mean, my goodness. He acts like Pouncey's being paid to do it. Oh, I wait, can't blame sorry. him. I think, wait, sorry about that. <laughs> he is being paid to do it. I forgot. Maybe this can help us PA football fans come together in our frustration with our teams. (laughs) You're crazy. (laughs) Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. Product lines, how about the best? Ford, Lincoln, Kia, Hyundai. Great pre-owned inventory with the Sunbury Motors guarantee. Fabulous service department that backs all of this up. Sales staff that works with you. You just heard about the uh, great record year they have with Hyundai. Incredible. Uh, all at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. Right, last night's national championship game, obviously, you know, I think everybody knew going in Alabama would win. Um, what I'm about to say doesn't change that part of it. In uh, any way, shape, or form. But I thought last night, defensively, what struck me over and over again. Ohio State defensively played in fear of Alabama's speed. Now, that's not unreasonable. But... 
they gave, and here are the two words that describe the entire night for Alabama's offense. Free release. Ohio State gave the Alabama receivers free release off the line of scrimmage all night long. Now, obviously, when they put Devontae Smith in motion and then bring him back like that, okay, you're not going to get contact with him. I got that part. That's a smart play. But you have to identify the head of the monster. The head of the monster is Devontae Smith. It's just a fabulous player. So I'm going to take a, a page out of Joe's book. Alabama had a fabulous receiver by the name of Albert Bell. It was 1986. Alabama was number two, undefeated. I think they were 7-0. and Penn State was number five, undefeated. We all know that Penn State won the game. It took Shane Conlon, obviously an exceptional player and better than any linebacker Ohio State had on the field last night, and put him head up on Albert Bell. And it was his job at the line of scrimmage to belt him. Now, it wasn't Shane Conlon's job to cover him, but it was his job to make sure Albert Bell did not get a free release off the line of scrimmage. If you're going to play three linebackers like Ohio State did last night, and part of it may have been, you know, scheme, but part of it may have been to availability in the secondary too, okay? I'm not, you know, I mean, I'm, you know, the, the same guy, Williamson, Seven Banks, Sean Wade all started against Penn State. Proctor played a lot against Penn State too. Um, so that wasn't really different. But you take either Hilliard or Pete Warner and put him head up on Smith wherever he lines up. And even if he's trying to dodge him, you're at least throwing the timing off of what they're doing. If not, get some contact on him. Not hold him, a contact. A shove. Just to get him off his off stride, something. Because the only time he was getting hit last night was after he made the catch. They had no contact on the receivers downfield all night. They gave him free release. Look, Mechie, you take one-on-one, fine. Okay? The other kid, you take one-on-one, fine. Same thing with the tight ends. With him, I'd have put one of those linebackers head up on him every time he lined up in the line of scrimmage. Boom, give him a shot, throw him off base, at least let him know you're there, then release him to a safety. Now, Alabama still wins the game with what I'm doing, but at least you, at least Devontae Smith knew he was in a football game at that point instead of playing seven-on-seven. Seven. I watched that every overhead shot, free release, free release, free release, free release. I'm like, what the heck am I watching here? They turned it into a seven-on-seven seven game. Alabama's going to win the game by a wide margin anyway. They're just better. They're just better. So I got that part. Uh, But you got to at least make them know that they're 
in a football game with the emphasis on the hitting part. You got you know you got to at the at the least very least then make them start doing more motions and things like that. Or he's trying to dodge you. Okay, he gets around you, great. But the timing of what they want to do is at least thrown off somewhat. They didn't throw off any of their timing all night. But it played out about the way we said it would. Did we tell you not last week that the two guys that might be out were Tyreek Smith and Tommy Togiai? We told you that last week. So if if you're a listener of the show, when they released it last night, you'll say, "Yeah, yeah, you knew it. We already told you. Uh, let's see. Um, so, I mean, that was my thought on watching it. Obviously, Alabama's a great team, well-coached. And I'll, I'll say this about Nick Saban. We talk about you get the best talent, you get the best talent. Yeah, he gets the best talent. But you know what? You can mismanage the best talent. You know, I've always talked about talent development. I've said this about James Franklin. I think James Franklin does a really terrific job with his staff of taking a three-star and making that kid a four-star or better. Taking a four-star and that kid turns out to be a five-star. Yeah, Alabama gets its fair share of five-stars, and guess what? They do a great job of maintaining them at five-stars. I mean, they do a good job of player development, too. Really good job. I mean, it's the, that is not a case of them just rolling out the ball and playing football. Nick Saban and his staff do a great job. They, you know, and it's easy to take shots at the at the guy that's at the top. It's easy to take shots at the program. Um, well, that's not good or realistic analysis either. It's just not. Uh, basketball news. Uh, Penn State did practice yesterday. So they did get back to practice, as you heard in the Nittany Lion uh, update show at the beginning. So they did get back to practice yesterday. Cale Sanderson at his press conference today. Before the week is out, we're going to play back part of that press conference uh, that he had, because I know we have a lot of... And tomorrow's Nittany Lion update show, Inside Penn State Athletic Show. Tomorrow and Thursday will both be with Cale Sanderson, just so you know. Um, but at least we're going to give you an update. The, the game for Purdue on Sunday for Penn State football is on track. It's Saturday from Kale. The wrestling match with Rutgers on Saturday is on track. Uh, one quick note in wrestling, Kale's talking about this today, and you'll hear it in the press conference later in the week. Kale talked today um, about the great job that the powers in the sport as to how they've handled this. They're going to do a series of exhibition bouts this year. It might take they might take place after the dual meet. He didn't, you know, he wasn't quite sure, but it may seem like they would take place after a dual meet's over with. Because the idea is if you can get four of them in as an individual you can then qualify as a wild card for nationals. Also, the ability to travel. When they traveled, you were allowed to take 13 wrestlers on the road 
over the years. This year, for a dual meet, they're allowing you to take 16. And for one of those tri-meets, and Penn State's involved in two tri-meets, they're going to be allowed to take 20. And these so-called exhibition bouts outside of the dual meet count on the individual's record, and they obviously will count as one of the four needed to qualify for nationals. And they would you, you could possibly make it as a wild card. It is uh, so I figured I'd at least pass that along as information to you that maybe you didn't have before. So that was from Kale earlier today. You know, and I was, I was on the press conference. Uh, it was a Zoom conference for a half hour this morning. Uh, um, and that was part of what I got out of that today. So they're scheduled for Rutgers 2.30 on Saturday, and we'll see how many of these. And this, these exhibition bouts, he said the other part, too, is the way, because it's a free year, because it's a free year, he said the rosters in college wrestling will be far more stacked this year because you're not going to have guys redshirting, and you're not going to have those taking an Olympic exemption. He said because it's a free year, he says this may be the most, about as stacked you'll see lineups across the country. And he likes his team. He likes his lineup. And then basketball did get back to uh, practice last night. And the aim is to play Sunday at 1 at Purdue and get back on track. And then we'll see, uh, right now, they still have not done anything with rescheduling. They're working on it. They just haven't officially put some things into place for rescheduling any of the games that have been missed. And the goal is to try and make them all up if possible, if possible. Now, there is a little bit of a wrench thrown in where there could be a little scheduling gymnastics for a couple of teams here because Nebraska right now is paused. Somehow we got the entire baseball season in. Somehow got the entire NFL season in. Somehow got the entire college football season in. Yeah, there may have been a miss or two. But somehow in sports, they're doing a good job of getting as many, if not all, in as possible. Amazing. Give everybody that's involved, medical people, athletic trainers, players, student-athletes, coaches, they've been as diligent as possible. Right now, in college basketball, 96% of the teams are playing.
So there's the basketball update. There is the wrestling update. There's the Alabama analysis. We'll return to our previously scheduled Eagles program in a moment here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Are you okay? Hey, I'm good. I'm just making sure. I'm getting a lot of comments from listeners here. They're just a little worried about you. <laughs> like, I know. I'm with you. Life goes on. And you know what? Hockey starts tomorrow. You'll be complaining about that by Friday. <laughs> and the Sixers are off to a good start, minus a little COVID issues here. You'll be, you'll be complaining about that in March. <laughs> Dick and Milton uh, called, and he had a question. He was afraid to go on the air because he's a little worried about how you are right now. That's exactly what he said to me on the phone. <laughs> I, can you blame him? I mean, I mean, Dick's a good guy. I mean, yeah. you know, good level head about him. I mean, yeah, I miss him at Bucknell games, as does yeah, the rest he, of the fans, of course. He's, yeah, he thinks you're a little crazy right now. <laughs> <laughs> You wanted to know how far behind uh, Penn State is from Ohio State. He says everybody's behind Alabama, and everybody is behind Alabama right now. You're in a situation where, uh, with everybody being independent of one another, which is the way it should be in college football, but you win, and it really benefits you in recruiting tremendously. There's no getting around it. So how far behind is Penn State? Um, from Ohio State? And that's a good question. Because if you look at the four previous years, see, this year to me, I would like to to take a look at this year, and I just feel like across the board, everybody. You almost feel like for everybody, it's one of those one-offs. It's hard to me to draw any conclusion from this year, except Alabama was the best team. After that, I don't really, I don't have a lot of conclusions out of this year. And I've talked to a couple of people at PFF and so forth. They kind of feel the same way about it. Uh, so how far behind is Penn State from Ohio State? Now, obviously, in the last four years, then they beat them by three. Then they lost by one. Then they lost by, what did they lose by? Two? Something like that. And then last year when they went there, they fall behind in the game, what, 21 nothing, And... You lose your starting quarterback. And that's when I mean that's when Sean, who had been banged up, really, really hurt it. And then Sean didn't play against uh, Rutgers. You know, Penn State got the game back to within twenty-one seventeen. In fact, Penn State's driving to tie the game, and that's when they threw that quick slant over the middle at the ten-yard line or the five or something like that. The Journey Brown he dropped it. And he's going to score in that play, so they had to settle for a field goal. And if you remember in the fourth quarter, I think it's, I want to say it's 28-17. to 17, And Penn State's driving with Will Levis, at quarterback, and then Will at the 20-yard line of Ohio State threw that ball over the middle, and Justin Hilliard, in the middle of a pack, picked it off. Penn State was the one team until Clemson, was the only team until Clemson, that put game pressure on Ohio State the whole season. And Ohio State jumped out to a 21-0 lead in that game. And Penn State still put game pressure on them. Um, 
they didn't put game pressure on them this year. Again, this but this year I'm just not. I've got to be smart about trying to draw any conclusions off of this year. So that tells me that, yes, Ohio State, based on the last four meetings, including this year, they're the team that's won. But I also think Penn State's a little bit closer to them than anybody else in the conference, and a little bit closer than people realize because they've been the team that's put game pressure on Ohio State every single year. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Ohio State with Justin Fields now. I mean, he I don't think he said it last night, but I think everyone's assuming he's going to the NFL. And he should go to the NFL because I think he's going to be a top-five pick. I mean, he has to make his own choice, but, I mean, if he's asking me, I'd say, geez, I think you kind of done what you need to do here, right? Um, and I think that that's a big one for them. Um, I I looked at Ohio State's defense, and you saw Penn State in the second half in this year put three 75-yard touchdown drives against them. And I went into the game thinking Ohio State's defense was not as good as the Ohio State defenses I've seen, and I made that statement before the Alabama game. The problem in that game is, is the, was the inability to stop Ohio State as the night went. You know, you get, with them, you got the in Columbus the year before. Penn State created turnovers in that game. They didn't do that in this game. This is a team, Ohio State. You've got to win the game with explosive plays, and you got to win the turnover margin against them. That's the only way to do it. Um, and because those, those are two big swing stats, and that's where you've got to close the gap on them. Fields was exactly what they needed at quarterback. Exactly. Their offensive line is good. Their defensive line is not to the level it was a year ago. Neither is their secondary. They're recruiting well, you know that. But do I think Penn State's capable of closing that gap? I do. Um, and this this season and across the board, I just have a hard time drawing any conclusions in this particular season. I can tell you no in certain terms there's no way in the heck I think Maryland or Indiana's there. That's a good question though, Dick, and it's a relevant question, that's for sure.